if it wasn't Bio Mom telling Stepson to act this way and do this stuff, right? then this has caused her problems. Yeah, absolutely. And if it was her, then it bit her in the butt. Yeah. <laughs> You're listening to the Nacho Kids Podcast, where we discuss all things step family related. Real stories, real people, real help. Your hosts are the creators of the Nacho Kids Method and the Nacho Kids Academy Step Family Coaching Team, Lori and David Sims. Welcome to episode 148 of the Nacho Kids Podcast. So do you want to make the announcement or do you want me to do it? You do Scrambled. it, David. Rip the Band-Aid off. You do it. Okay. So after a lot of discussion, Lori and I have decided that we are going to shut it down. Shut what down? Shut it all down. We're going to put, just put it into all of it. It's um, It's been a good, fun ride, but our time has come. April Fools! <laughs> <laughs> I made David lie to y'all, so I wouldn't. Gotcha. <laughs> we ain't going nowhere, fools. <laughs> Not till I'm dead. Yeah. Or David kills me, which I'd still be dead. Yeah. Yep. So anyway, no fear. We're not going anywhere. Uh, we do hope that we cause a bit of panic, <laughs> but no stress, just panic. <laughs> and we hope that everybody's still listening to this and didn't just cut it off. <laughs> oh, they didn't. Trust me. <laughs> we could have ended last time with, you know, we had this big announcement or whatever. Well, you know, just, yeah. We're not going back, we're, David. We're not going back. No, we're not going back. We're not shutting it down. We're not going anywhere. Too many people need us. And we need to help millions more people. So we will be here for quite a while. Yes. But anyway, what else do you have on your mind other than messing with our awesome listeners? <laughs> and in four weeks from today, you and I will be in Fort Worth, Texas. Right, that's right. Yeehaw! <laughs> We are doing yeah. a step couples conference with Laura Petherbridge, Heidi Farrell, and her husband. Oh, and Laura's husband, Lori McGregor, and her husband, Summer Butler, and her husband. Cool. And Melanie Anthony and her husband. That's right. I think I got everybody. Looking forward to all that. I am too. So, so some of these folks I have not met before. Um, I have met probably half of them in person. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, looking forward to it. And I've already started causing trouble. <laughs> yes, you did. <laughs> I have a feeling that you and Summer's husband were gonna have to put leashes on y'all or something. <laughs> and maybe duct tape over your mouths. Yeah. Yeah. He's already told me that um he's gonna get a a room for him and then a room for his wife, um, so they can enjoy their time. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, great, that'll give me some place to sleep when Lori kicks me out. <laughs> you never know, folks. You never know. No, sure don't. But yeah, it's going to be fun. Got to make it fun. Good grief, man. It's tough to do this stuff. Got to make it fun. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think. I wonder what kind of April's fool joke I could play on Jackson. Hmm. I could tell him he's on restriction, but he would just laugh. Um. How about this? How about... um. The night before, you go out to his truck, or maybe the morning of. The morning of, you go out to his truck, okay? You open the doors up, take as much out as you possibly can, and then you just leave the doors open. 
And then you wake him up and go, did you leave your doors open last night? And then he runs out there and he realizes that somebody's broke into his truck and stole stuff. David, that's horrible. That's awesome. We're going to do it. No, we're not. I'm going to do it. No, you're not. No. Yeah, I'm going to do it. No. Let's think of an April Fool's joke that we can do your kids. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I actually lived that horror story, though. Woke up one morning, walked outside, my door's standing open in my car, and I'm like, what? I did not leave my door standing open. And all my stereo equipment was gone. Mm-mm-mm. Yep. It was a bad day. That's horrible. I thought you were going to say unplug the terminals for the battery. <laughs> yeah. That'd be fun, too. Yeah. We had this guy install some tile for us, and David was outside when he was getting ready to leave one day, <laughs> and the guy was had to hook his terminals back up to his battery. Yeah. I was like, what are you doing? And uh, he's like, I'm from Arizona, and it's just a habit. Out there, you have to disconnect your battery or people will steal your car. <laughs> and I was like, of course, before I say this, because it was rude, <laughs> he and I had been, had been poking at each other the whole day. And so I, I looked at him and I said, ain't nobody going to steal this piece of junk. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking, okay, we're not on the road. We're kind of out in the woods a little bit. Yeah. And then I start thinking, I wonder if he does that when he goes to, like, eat or Walmart. I don't know. But, you know, I would think uh, most people coming to our house would would probably face the car, you know, going out of the driveway and make sure their keys are in the ignition and ready to go. Because we've had more people than not come to our house and going, dude, I was halfway down that driveway and I wasn't so sure I wanted to keep coming. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> we had... um uh, one lady, a few weeks ago, I was selling something on Facebook, and she wouldn't come down the driveway. <laughs> <laughs> I had to go to the top of the driveway to meet her with the item. She's like, man, that thing's a spooky driveway at night. I ain't going down in there. <laughs> I always call I it the Ichabod Crane driveway. <laughs> it's funny. It's funny how some, some people won't come down the driveway. <laughs> That's what we should name our road, the Legend of Sleepy Hollow. Oh, that would fit. It would. We just call it the Legend of Sleepy Lori. <gasps> <laughs> Look here, with them puppies, Lori ain't getting much sleep. And with her husband snoring, life's just harder. I, I don't know. You say I snore, but I have never heard it. So I'm going to record you snoring. Mm-hmm. Every time that I catch you snoring and play it for you the next day, you have to do the dishes. Okay, I'll agree to that. If every time it catches you talking in your sleep... <laughs> You have to do the dishes. But I don't wake you up every time. There's a difference with somebody going, blah, 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 and. Look, no, 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 no. There is no blah, 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 okay? Most of the time is, I told you, get out of here right now. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, there's times when I like wake up from a dead sleep wondering if I should be reaching for a weapon because I don't know if somebody's broken to the house or. What's happening? It's it's crazy. Nothing's happened. <laughs> Calm down. I understand now why older people sometimes have different bedrooms. So. Yeah, I, I'm thinking that probably won't be a bad idea. So where are you going to sleep? Because I'm keeping the big bedroom. What? You can go upstairs. It's not a bad idea. You always say I keep it cold down here. 
It's warmer up there. No, because then you'll be complaining. I'll never see you up there all the time. Well, then come visit once in a while. It's okay. Hey, it'd be like when we were dating. Yeah. Might work out great. It might. (laughs) All right. There's already a bed up there. So tonight, let's try that. Oh, okay. (laughs) No. Yeah, because then you're like, I can still hear you snoring upstairs. Good Lord. <laughs> I probably could. <laughs> and you'd probably run down with a gun to shoot somebody for me screaming. Okay. So, sweet little angel Lori. Oh, goodness. Yes, I'm talking about myself. <laughs> Needs to lose some weight, y'all. <laughs> so, y'all, check this out. She goes through her closet and she takes out these clothes. And she does this all the time, like every twice a year. She takes these clothes out and she puts them in the, I'm still going to get into these at some point box. <laughs> and it's like, um, how long have you had that? I wore that when I was a junior in high school. <laughs> you lie. <laughs> you lie. I'm still going to get back into it one day. <laughs> well, you know what? The size I was as a junior in high school was the size I was when we got married there, mister. <laughs> okay. And it's not like I've went up six sizes. You just need to stop talking. No, you have not. Okay. And I told you I told you that, you know I know. You, you bash yourself more about it than you should. Yes. But y'all notice he didn't say you don't need to lose weight <laughs> or you're not fat. But anyway. Yeah. See there's a there's a slippery slope. And it's like your wife says, Don't lie to me about anything and then but sometimes she's like, I don't really want you to tell me the truth either. So God should have given you discernment, David. That's why I keep my mouth shut most of the time. When All you right. start talking well, about this let's stuff. Let's try it. Let's practice. See, I've learned. I've oh, learned. Didn't work. I'm sure you've noticed this. <laughs> I've learned that when we are having these conversations, I f- try to find something to snack on or if we're eating dinner <laughs> because <laughs> I will cram as much food in my mouth as I possibly can. <laughs> So that I don't say anything at all. <laughs> okay. Well, just for the record, David's gained weight too. And yeah, because every time you talk about stuff, I cram stuff in my mouth. <laughs> so anyway, I was talking about I needed to lose weight. And he said, how can I help you with this? Isn't that, isn't that a sweet response? It is. And my response was, don't talk to me about it. Don't say, you really need to eat that. Or didn't you just already eat one piece of pizza? Don't be doing that. Don't be doing it. So he said, okay, I'm going to leave you if you don't lose 10 pounds. I said, bye. (laughs) (laughs) I ain't worth 10 pounds, (laughs) y'all. Now, I hope y'all are listening. And y'all, this is not your first time. And you know how me and David joke with each other because he did not mean that. (laughs) In certain parts of the world, you'd have to lose 10 stone. (laughs) Yeah, that's a lot more. (laughs) If David did mean that when he said it, he wouldn't have to worry about losing weight because he'd be dead. (laughs) D-E-A-D. Good job. No, I said, well, I figured if I did that, maybe it would cause some stress hormones and she'd lose weight, you know, because she's all stressed out because I might leave. No, no stress at all. She's just like, bye. (laughs) You like, still say hormones. You won't say hormones. <laughs> hush, I'm not saying it. <laughs> well, you know, they say people lose weight when they get divorced. So that's kind of what he was implying. But yeah. yeah. Well, we've talked before or joked before. We haven't talked. We joked before about how 
um, if if we got divorced, that we would both lose weight and get in shape, and then we can get back together. <laughs> <laughs> Move upstairs. Maybe that'll help. Who knows? Yeah. yeah, where all the equipment is for us to work out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Don't worry. I won't come to visit you. You can just come visit me. Uh, okay. So what do we have today? <laughs> uh, apparently two people full of themselves. All right. The winner of the Nacho Kids Academy Linda Dunham Scholarship is... Dun, 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 Jay Lawrence. All right. Congratulations, Jay. Congratulations. Check your email and we will get you getting going. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and our guest today is Stepmom Britt. Britt's been blending for four and a half years. Pay attention, people. Stepdaughter 18, stepdaughter 17, stepdaughter 15, stepson 8, bio son 2. And our son is on the way. She's seven months pregnant. Ooh. Did anybody catch? She's been blending for four and a half years and has a bio son that is two. Mm. Okay. How'd that happen? Listen, David, and you'll find <laughs> out. <laughs> huh. And I will clarify, she did not cheat on her husband. They were on a break. Well, there you go. <laughs> that says it all. She did not say oh, they were on a break. I did. Because I always think about Friends. Anybody that's ever watched Friends, you know, Ross and Rachel were on a break. Blah, 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 blah. Oh, so if you and I take a break. David. What? I'm just Let's take clarify. a break. Let's take I'm a break. I'm just wanting to clarify. If you ever come to me and say, I think we need to take a break, I'd know what that's code for. It's not code for anything. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm leaving you if you don't lose 10 pounds. What's that code for? <laughs> That's code for bye-bye. <laughs> Pack your stuff. Uh, Actually, you can't leave me because you would want to stay here. So I would have to leave you if I didn't lose 10 pounds. That's true. Hey, wait yeah. a minute. That's, it's a win-win. If I lose 10 pounds, I win. If I don't lose 10 pounds, I win. <laughs> I wish people could see the look on your face right now. That's the look I give you 90% of the time. <laughs> okay. Back to our guest. The hardest part of blending for her is dad guilt, by a mom and her family not allowing the stepkids to enjoy their time with the stepmom and the bio dad. Best advice, nacho. <laughs> the stepkids don't come to visit anymore, but her husband does spend time with the younger stepson away from the house. Mm. I hate that. Yeah. And I know you stepmoms are going, oh, I wish that was me. I wish that was me. No, you don't. Because your husband would lose more than 10 pounds. <laughs> he would be depressed and he would be sad and miserable. And you don't want that for somebody you love. No. And I'm not saying that Britt's husband's miserable or anything like that. I'm not putting words in her mouth. But it's not easy. No. And it could backfire on you to where the resentment about what happened could be could be placed on you. Exactly. Yep. That's that's a tough one. That's good and bad. Certainly bad because you're not seeing all your kids anymore, but you know, good that at least one of them you're spending time with. Yeah. Anyway, that's all we're going to tell you. You got to listen to it. That's right. All right. Well, before we get into the interview though, let's talk a little bit about the Nacho Kids Academy. Let's talk about the Nacho Kids Academy, David. All right. 
So for those of you who don't know, we have the Nacho Kids Academy, which is at nachokidsacademy.com. You can learn more there. But that's where we take all of the stuff that we talk about and the tools and the how-tos, and we put it all together and help you better your blend. There are over 25 video courses, hundreds of hours of previous Q&A coaching calls, two Q&A coaching calls a month, an anonymous forum where you can connect with other members and myself and David, and there are three challenges, one being the Nacho Kids Boot Camp. Mm-hmm. And we do have a whole list of other courses that we're working on, so we'll get those in there over time as we get those ready. And um, it's it's amazing. You know, somebody mentioned to me earlier this week, they were talking about how, um, you know, I wish so-and-so would, or this program, not talking about Nacho Kids, but they were talking about this other program. I wish this program would give me the tools to use to do X, Y, Z. And for some reason, it just kind of dawned on me. I had this mental image of somebody handing me like a hammer and a circular saw and a screwdriver and saying, you know, go out there and build this thing. Go out there and build this house. Go out there and build this, you know, whatever, birdhouse. Dude, you can give me the right tools all day long, but if I don't know how to use the tools and if I don't know what the end result should look like and how to get there, it's not going to happen. It's going to look like hurt. a mess. It's going to look like a mess. So when you think about it, if somebody's just giving you the tools, because oftentimes you hear that, we give you the tools. We've said it before, but it takes more than that. <laughs> it takes more than knowing the tools because honestly, you listen to the podcast and you get that. You can well, get the tools, but it's the, it's the how to use the tools that really, really matters. That's why when people go into the academy, they, they often tell us that they thought they were doing things right or they didn't see the progress until they got into the academy. And then they were like, oh my gosh, now that I know how to properly do this stuff, it's amazing. Mm -hmm. I actually had a therapist reach out to me the other day and ask about getting like certified in the Nacho Kids method. Hmm. So we need to talk about that, David. Very cool. We do. All right. Well, that's enough about the Nacho Kids Academy. And again, you can find that at nachokidsacademy.com. And uh, of course, all of our stuff, you can find it at nachokids.com. All right. So let's get into today's interview. Today, we have stepmom, Britt. Hey, Britt, how are you? I'm good. How are you, Lori? Doing well. So tell us a little bit about your blend, how long you've been blending, how many stepkids, bio kids, hours kids, all that happy stuff. Yeah. So... My husband and I have been together for about four and a half years, and uh, he has my stepdaughter who's 18, stepdaughter 17, stepdaughter 15, stepson 8, and I have a two-year-old that has a different biological father from a time that my husband and I were apart. However, my husband has raised him since he's been with him since before he was born, so we kind of consider him an ours baby. And then we have our first technically ours baby on the way, and we are due in about two months. Okay. You really threw me with that bio son, too, <laughs> because I'm like, wait a minute. They've been together four and a half years. What have yeah. you been doing, Britt? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, and you know, I, I'm sure we'll get into this as we talk, but our time apart was the result of not figuring out how we were supposed to do this blend. And my husband be thinking that he needed to take some time to just be a dad 
yeah, so we spent about six months not together. And that is when I surprised got pregnant with my bio son. Wow. And when you found out you were pregnant, mm-hmm. were y'all already talking about getting back together or? No, not at all. So we worked for the same company. However, we didn't really have any crossover. So we would kind of just see each other in passing. Um, mm-hmm. So I want to say it was, and and my, I use the word relationship loosely, but my relationship with my son's bio dad was very short lived and it was very unhealthy and actually ended in a phone call to the police. So, Ooh. yeah. So around the time that I found out I was pregnant, my husband and I had kind of reconnected on a little bit of a friend level, but just really to where we would see each other in passing at work and where we were finally able to say, Hey, how are you? How was your weekend? Mm-hmm. So, uh, as things were falling apart with my son's bio dad and kind of getting to a dangerous level, I had confided in my husband about that. And, you know, I can't even tell you how far along I was with my bio son when I would say we got back together. It kind of just happened. Mm -hmm. We were kind of just in each other's lives and knew that it was meant to be. And it was. That's awesome. Yeah, it all worked out. I'm glad that your husband is raising him as an hours kid, basically. Yeah, absolutely. So he now has visits with his bio dad. And I have to say bio dad has really gotten his life together. He's engaged and uh, to a woman that really cares for my son. And so I'm very grateful for that. And because of my experience with my stepkids and with their bio mom, we try really hard to have a good relationship with my son's bio dad and his fiance and uh, to give him a different experience. Great. Well, I have to ask you this. Does your son call the soon-to-be stepmom mom? I know he's only two. I I don't think so. Yeah, he actually just turned two a month ago, so his vocabulary is just starting to uh, to to get where you can understand what who he's talking about when he says something. But they came up with a different nickname for her, so I'm sure that along the way, you know, he'll do that. He'll call her mom. I think the older he gets, he'll start to have an understanding of who everyone is and everyone's role in his life. And then he'll kind of piece it all together. Cause he does call my husband dad or daddy, even though we have a nickname for him, just kind of out of respect for that same, I would expect to be the only one that my bio son calls mom. So Mm -hmm. um, we have a nickname. I think just the older he gets, he'll figure it out. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And also you're pregnant. I am. So you've got another baby on the way. We do. We're super excited. Is this one a boy? It is another boy. Awesome. Yeah, so that'll be two boys for me. And so now we're having to decide, should we try for another one? See if we can have a girl together. But because <laughs> um, <laughs> I would love to have a girl, but uh, it'll prob- it would probably just be a boy too. You never know. I- you I'm never all for know. trying, girl. Do it. Let <laughs> us know. <laughs> hey, the practicing part is the fun part. So. That's what David would say. <laughs> Thank God he's not on here right now. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's great. But yeah, I'm even though I am having my second boy, we're very grateful for it. You know, we didn't just get pregnant really easily. And so um, we prayed for him for a long time. And so we're really excited to meet him here in a couple months. Oh, that's so sweet. <laughs> so you're 
buy his son this too, goes to his dad's every other weekend and probably a week here, a week there kind of thing, right? We started um, about a year ago doing three short, basically dinner visits a week. And Mm -hmm. so we're on kind of a long-term step-up plan where he will eventually have 50-50 as long as everything goes as planned. And um, yeah, so right now he's doing two overnights a week and a two-hour dinner visit. But his overnights, he comes home at like seven the next morning. All right. So it's not a whole weekend, not a whole 24 hours yet. And I know from experience, it's hard for your child to be that young and him to have to go with the other parent. It is so hard. It's easier now than it was when he was really little, though, especially because I would, you know, I would consider that I was abused in my relationship with his bio dad. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I hear you talk a lot on your podcast about um, all of the things that the family court system needs to change. And to me, you know, my, my experience, that's one of them. I actually had the judge tell me when we went to court for custody, well, he didn't abuse the baby. So he's going to have to do that before we intervene. Yeah. Is that not the stupidest thing you've ever heard? Yeah. Yep. It is. Yeah. So, and we've been really lucky that BioDad has really, I think all of that was kind of a wake up call for him and really has pulled his life together. And uh, in fact, we invited him and his fiance over Christmas morning to spend some time over at our house. And so I've been really grateful that we've been able to evolve to that place and, and get, you know, hopefully we continue that momentum going forward. You know, that is huge in any situation. Right. But especially in your situation where you got pregnant on, we'll use the (laughs) TV show Friends break (laughs) with your husband. Right, right. I am so impressed with you, but especially your husband, because I can see most guys be like, "Uh uh-uh. No, he's not coming in my house. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and it it was very rough, you know, when everything, whenever, especially when we were going through the court process. I mean, and by the end of the court process, we ended up talking with each other outside of the attorneys and said, okay, mediation is this date. Let's have a plan and show up at mediation. And it was like equal parts. You know, the court creates problems when you're going through that process. They create animosity between the two parties where there maybe wasn't any before. Amen. Or maybe where there was only a little bit. They definitely blow things out of proportion. And uh, we weren't supposed to talk to each other without attorneys, but we did anyway. Uh, So like I said, it was equal parts, just tired of the animosity that kept building that we finally realized wasn't even coming from us. And uh, the other part was we both ran out of money. It's so expensive and we never even got to uh, the final orders portion and we were both in between, you know, 10 and 15 grand. Mm -hmm. So, well, yeah, I mean, all of that could have gone into a college fund or something. Yeah. I know I joke about how I could send my son to Harvard if I wouldn't have had to pay attorney's fees, but granted, (laughs) yeah, luckily every time we've went, his dad has had to pay at least a good portion of my attorney's fees. So, oh, okay. But still, you know, I'm thinking he's the one that acted out. He's the one that should have yeah. to pay all of them. But, you know, <laughs> that's a whole other story. Yeah. You know, unfortunately, if both bio mom and bio dad are not working toward the same obje- objective, it's really hard to, you're just not on the same page. And um, yeah. because of my experience as a stepmom and seeing my husband struggle financially for so many years while 
biomom went on vacations and things like that. I never wanted to be viewed that way. So soon as the court order, of course, with child support from to me from my bio son's dad came through, we uh, filed to terminate child support. So I just thought, you know, I wouldn't, he's, we can support him and, uh, you know, don't need money from him. And it just, if you're in that position where you're okay without it, it just creates animosity mm-hmm. as someone has to write a check every month. And so I thought from my experience having to, with us having to pay child support and that many times, you know, and, um, especially when uh, COVID first happened and my husband, you know, was basically laid off from his job, me having to step in and pay his child support, it just, it doesn't create good feelings. So I thought, well, you know, if we can eliminate that, that's going to be a huge step forward for us. Yeah. Now, granted, I would think if your son had to have braces, that your ex would help pay for that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Maybe when he's old enough to have a vehicle that your ex will contribute. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And and that's good. He's always offered. Yes. And unfortunately, some people don't have that relationship Yep, and they have to push the child support or they won't get any help at all. Absolutely. Yep. So let's talk about your stepkids. How often do you have them? So not at all at the time being. Um, However, when I met my husband, they were all 50-50 and the oldest, who's now 18, uh, was only 13. Okay. So when I first came into my stepkids' life, we were all really close. I had never dated someone with kids before. So this was like a brand new experience to me. And I was kind of shell-shocked and uh, I also didn't have kids of my own yet. And so just little things that you wouldn't think anything of, like how things function in the household on a day-to-day basis. I look back now that I have a biological kid and I'm like, it didn't have to be like that. That was chaos. Mm-hmm. So, you know, things like my husband's relationship with bio mom, when they were married, she was very emotionally abusive toward him. And unfortunately, that's something that the three girls were all taught to replicate toward their dad. And so wow. I can look back and when I met them, they were like 13, 12 and nine. And I look back at some of the things that I can remember them saying or doing. And it's like, I can't believe a a kid would talk to their dad. I wouldn't talk to my dad that way now. And I'm in my thirties. Right. And now that I've had some experience, you know, of being around bio mom and kind of hearing how she talks, it's like an exact replication of the phrases she used and the demeanor that she uses and things like that. So my husband, I think just didn't know any better at the time. That's kind of how he had been trained to be spoken to and you know, how he had been drained to be talked about. And that was all he yeah. knew. So that was what it was. Yeah. He was used to it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, I, of course, am biased, but my husband's a good looking guy and uh, he's in great shape. And you now he was always told that he was fat and ugly and no one else would ever want him and things like that. And that's just, you know, after a while of hearing that, it starts to kind of speak to your soul and you start to kind of feel like maybe those things are true. Yeah, that's horrible. Yeah. He and I first started dating. I can remember giving him a compliment, like when he walked by me or something. And he would look at me as if I was out to get him or something like that because he, uh, you know, like, what do you want from me? Because he had not heard anything like that in so many years. Yeah. I get it. I 100% get it. (laughs) 
my relationship with Jackson's dad versus my relationship with David is night and day. Yeah. And you're so used to not, uh, how do I say this? Not being shown that you matter. Right. To when you're shown you do, you're like, okay, what's up? (laughs) Something's wrong. They're up to something. Right. Exactly. It makes you suspicious. Yeah. That's the word I was looking for. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It does. It makes you suspicious. Yeah. And on guard. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, you know, I can recall when my husband and I first started dating, just seeing some things like that and kind of going, well, that's weird. That's different. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the stories that he's told me, you know, from the time he was with my mom was that uh, my stepkids have never had like discipline, structure, told the word no, anything like that, rules. You know, I can remember when I first started staying over at my husband's house, um, when we were dating and everybody was up until one, two in the morning, every school night, that was just kind of the way that things ran. And then no one could get up in the morning and there was yelling and screaming and fighting all the time, all the time. Mm -hmm. And I mean, my, my parents, my upbringing was, I would, I would say my parents were pretty strict when I was a kid, but one thing that my mom always did was she would come into my room and sit down on my bed after school and say, Hey, how was your day? Who'd you sit with at lunch? Who are your friends? Well, you know, what's going on in your life. And I uh, didn't realize until this experience of being a stepmom that like, that's truly a learn being able to communicate and to talk like that is a learned skill. Mm-hmm. You don't know how to do it. If your parent hasn't taken the time to sit down with you and teach you those things, um, you know, just communication skills. And so my stepkids were never able to sit down and have a conversation about how they were feeling or what was going on and reason about anything. Mm -hmm. And it took me a long time to figure out that that is a learned skill. That's something that you have to be taught. That's not something that people just inherently know. Right. Yeah. And it's very important to talk to your kids and I'm not saying drill them, but just let them know you're there. And if you would have told your mom, it was okay. I just don't feel like talking today. She probably would have been like, okay. <laughs> yeah, I'll be in the kitchen. Come get me when you do. Right. The next day, she would have done the same thing because she wanted you to be able to talk with her about things. Absolutely. Well, that's a healthy yeah. relationship. And now it's important. I didn't realize when I was a kid and I didn't realize until I was a parent how important it is to teach that to your kids when they're young. Right. Yeah. I guess your husband was with Bio Mom at least 10 years. Yeah, about 15, actually. Okay. And stepson is eight, Mm -hmm. so he was probably three when they got divorced? Uh, Yes. He was right at three. I met him right as he was turning four. Okay. So he's kind of used to the situation of mom and dad not being together. Yeah. Yep. But he doesn't come for visitation either? So he did up until very recently. So when all three of my stepdaughters decided to go live with mom full time, and that's a whole different story. After that happened, he continued to be 50-50. But I think I had a feeling at the time that we, it was about a year ago that we made that transition where he was the only one coming and he was still 50-50. He and I had a really close relationship at the time. And uh, it was probably about 10, 11 months ago that he started coming over and just treating me like absolute crap. And it was very 
obvious, but it was only aimed at me. So he would come over and make accusations and say really strange things, or he would be, you know, kind and funny to everyone else. And then he would give me the silent treatment. And so at the time I was doing, he was very involved in sports. He went to a school that was like a 35 minute drive from our house. My son was only about a year old. And so I was Mm -hmm. doing all of his driving, sports driving, basically all of the, like all of the things that, you know, a mom would do without being mom. I uh, was familiar with the nacho method at the time. However, I had not yet been able to implement it. Mm -hmm. And I also kind of felt at the time, like, you know, what I had seen, just the toxicity that had come from the other house. And unfortunately had gotten to my stepdaughters. I was like determined. I'm not going to let that happen to him. He's a sweet kid. You know, we're going to teach him that being kind is a good thing because he's not taught that at the other house. And we're going to teach him things like kindness and integrity and what being a part of this family unit, you know, what, what that actually means. And so I was doing all of that stuff for him. And so he, when he was over, he spent most of his time with me while dad was at work. My husband and I own a business. He's out, it's a construction business. So he's out in the field during the day. I run the office side of things. So I have the ability to work from home, which just kind of you know makes it easier for me to do the driving at weird times, run here, run there, things like that. So that's what we were doing at the time. And about 10, 11 months ago, he started treating me really differently. And, uh, you know, like I mentioned, I had, I was familiar with the Nacho Kids method. However, my husband didn't, I don't, I don't think he wasn't on board because he disagreed with it. I just think he didn't fully understand it at the time. Mm-hmm. And so we had many a conversation where I was like, look, this is not enjoyable for anyone anymore. I really need to take a step back. I need you to pick him up from school. You know, I need you to do these things. And so during the summertime, I ended up, uh, and he was still 50-50, I ended up finding him a daycare to go to four days a week. And then on Fridays, he would stay home with my son and I, and we would all do something together. And then we would do something with dad when dad got off work. And uh, so that worked very well. And then it just kind of gradually over time got worse. And, uh, you know, his treatment of me got worse. And we ended up getting him into counseling with a counselor that we know and trust. And she's just phenomenal with kids. So we thought this is going to be a really good thing. And um, it was for a while, but he, you know, ended up telling the counselor. And this brings me to on your questionnaire that you sent out. One of the questions on there was like, what makes your blended family situation unique? Mm-hmm. And I was thinking about that. And in the Nacho Kids Facebook group and several other stepmom groups that I've been a part of on Facebook, there are so many people that talk about the things that bio mom says to the stepkids that they come over, you know, that they really take the heart and then come over and repeat or, or act upon. And I think something really different about our situation that I haven't heard of from other people, it's been bio mom's family that's been doing most of the talking and uh, putting most of those negative things into my stepson's head, specifically like her brothers, his uncles, and they are like our counselor calls them an enmeshed family. So they spend like six, seven days a week together. They do everything together. So they have a very heavy influence on uh, all of the kids and the way they think and what they do. 
And so my stepson ended up telling the counselor during one of their sessions that he's told by the uncles, you know, here's these five things that you're to go over and say to Brit this week. And uh, there were also a list of things that he was, and they were all like really inappropriate, unkind things. And he also had a list of things he was supposed to say to my son, my two-year-old. And uh, things like he was told to, you know, take toys out of his hands. He was told to push him. He was told to do this and that to him. And, um, you know, unfortunately we didn't figure out that he was being coached to do all of those things until we kind of saw it unfolding and happening in our house. So we ended up going to like an every other weekend visitation schedule with him. And then unfortunately things kind of just kept escalating. And this one day my stepson was over and I walked through the the playroom that he was sitting playing in. And I said, Hey, and I said his name and I was coming in to ask him if he would like a snack. And uh, he just like panicked, ducked, covered his face with his hands. And I was like, I really caught off guard, but I was like, are you okay? I'm sorry. Did I startle you? You know, what's, what's going on? And then I started noticing a pattern every time he would come back from his mom's. That's how he would act only toward me. Like he was scared to death every time I said something to him. And, uh, you know, through my husband talking with him, my husband and I talking about this situation to our counselor, my stepson ended up admitting to my husband that he was coached to come over and say that he's afraid of me and that I abuse him. And so that was the point where we were like, okay, now this is really getting serious. So we just about a month and a half ago made a change where my husband spends a few hours with him every other weekend away from our home. So for the time being, he's not coming over to our home anymore. And I really, really struggled with that when we made that change because I feel like that almost, I am almost by being supportive of that, putting a target on my back. Like, well, she said that the stepson can't come over anymore, which that's not the case. And in reality, I, I always had adored my stepkids from day one. And well, you could lose your kid. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I can honestly look back and say that I did everything that I could to not let it get to this, but here we are. But at the point that we're at, it's like, I I wish I could protect my stepson from everything that he's being taught and influenced by at the other house, but I can't, but I have to stop it here. I can't let it be passed down to my bio son. And then of course we've got the one on the way. So it has to stop here. That had to be a very, very tough decision for your husband and for you because absolutely you're grieving the relationship you used to have with your stepson Mm -hmm. and you're telling your husband, look, what do we do? I can't have him around my kid. Right. And even not because he was hurting your kid per se, but because of the crap he could say to make you lose your kid. Sure. I mean, and that was a part of it too, though, when he was over every other weekend, I think part of it is just, it evolved the way it did because he's been told these things by bio mom's family for so long. And part of it was now that he's, you know, when we did every other weekend, he's spending so much more time over there. That influence is so much greater than the one from our house. And mm-hmm. so, you know, I started noticing this pattern and I, I really believe that once or twice something's coincidence and more than that, it's kind of, okay, there's probably something to this, but we started noticing that 
you know, he'd be playing with my son and I would run upstairs to switch the laundry or just something really quick like that. And every single time I or my husband would turn our backs, all of a sudden, my two-year-old is screaming and crying and holding something that hurts. And my stepson, and you know, like he's only eight and kids that age, they can't lie very well at all. Right. And so my son would be holding something that hurts. And my stepson would, you know, have this weird look on his face and say something like he tripped and fell. And it's like, you can tell, you know, there was more to it. So it got to the point that uh, when he was over every other weekend, I couldn't even run into the kitchen to stir dinner. Uh, and leave them alone for that long. And then of course, when my stepson started acting like he was afraid to be in the same room as me, then it was okay. You know, I told my husband, okay, babe, now neither one of us can be alone with him. So, you know, that means I can't do driving. I can't do this and this. But, and I hate that we've arrived here at this point. I realized that I can't protect him from you know, everything going on at the other house, like that's gotta be you and bio mom have got to like, get it together and uh, get on the same page. Like I, I can't help anymore, but I have to protect my son. Yeah. And yourself and myself. Right. So this happened about, a, would you say a month ago? Yeah, it was about a month and a half ago that we made the change from every other weekend to my husband spending a few hours with stepson eight away from our home. And honestly, it's been a really positive change for everyone. I think even for my husband, because when stepson eight was over here every other weekend, he and my husband didn't really spend much time together. Mm -hmm. Stepson eight kind of spent the majority of the weekend, like watching TV and didn't want to do anything that the family was doing. And, uh, during the second half of, you know, his, his full day that he was here, that was when my son went to a visit with his bio dad. And so I would just be gone for the rest of the day. I would hang out with friends or something like that, or just, you know, go shopping, but it got to the point where it's like, and I, I see that in so many, uh, I see that suggestion, I guess, in so many stepmom groups where, you know, it's like, well, take, just take that, you know, make that your me time. And I think that's all very well intentioned, but unfortunately in reality, it doesn't always feel that way. You know, my husband and I run a business together. So by Saturday morning, I'm like, I don't want to talk about the business. I just want quality time with my husband because our Monday through Friday time, unfortunately, usually in the evenings too, is all, you know, eaten up by uh, doing things for the business. And Mm -hmm. so it was hard for me to be gone away from the house, you know, for six or eight hours for a big chunk of the day because my stepson was acting that way because he didn't want me around. It's not that anything happened between us where it's like, let's all take a break from each other. It's that he's coming in coach from the other house, that that is his visit with his dad. And I should not be allowed to be in the home at that time. And, uh, it was really tough for me, especially lately, you know, cause I'm pregnant. So of course the bigger my belly has gotten, it is just uncomfortable to have to go walk around for that long or sit in the car for that long because I can't go home yet. So there's just kind of a lot of, a lot of factors to it. And, you know, my husband and I remember the last time my stepson was over here for the weekend and I was gone for about eight hours during the day because I felt like I couldn't come home because it was so uncomfortable. And I was afraid to spend too much time at home because I know that he and, uh, you know, his mom's family are cooking up accusations that 
I'm abusive to him or that I've done this or that or whatever. So I think I was saying the last weekend that he came over, you know, my husband and I, it would cause us to argue with each other after he left. And I understand uh, logically my husband's position. Like it's an impossible position. You know, if I am uh, protective of my wife, then my kids are going to use that as an excuse to hate me and to not come over. And it's all going to be my fault. But if I'm protective of my kid and kind of just don't, you know, let my wife fend for herself, then, you know, she's upset with me. So I understand logically that it's an impossible position for him to be in. It's been very hard on my heart because I feel like as a mom myself now, I would never let my kids treat anyone the way that my stepkids have treated me, especially someone that I love. Right. I can't imagine seeing my son say those things to my husband and just kind of sitting by. I I can't imagine that. Yeah. But at the same time, if your kid did that, I don't know about you, but I can't imagine not seeing my kid. Oh, absolutely. So it's that catch. You you just, you can't win. No, you can't win. So I think. You're stuck in the middle. Yeah, absolutely. I think that the, um, you know, shorter visits away from the house have actually been better for my husband's relationship with his son, because, you know, for three, four hours, they have nothing to do, but talk to each other and hang out. Mm -hmm. And there are no interruptions. There are no distractions. There's no, okay, I was told to say this. So I better say that before I leave. Right. There's none of that. There's just time for them to do things together. And my husband was telling me that he told stepson eight the other day, Hey, next time I see you bring your homework and I'll help you with whatever you need help with. So, um, I think, you know, all of that is just Hopefully they'll be able to kind of focus on the positivity in their relationship without having all of the other things. Has stepson asked why he's not coming over every other weekend or why you're not around? Yes. So the first weekend that we decided to do this, and we actually, we have a pretty fabulous counselor here locally that has been guiding us through this for the last couple of years and helping us to uh, kind of try to come out the other side with our marriage still intact. Because I don't know that we would have been able to without his help. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, his advice, and I think it was very wise and insightful, was for my husband to kind of pose it back as a question. Well, why do you think you're not coming over today? Ooh, and kind of like see, yeah, kind of see if he, what his understanding was because, you know, when you tell an eight-year-old something, they, they can regurgitate it back, but that doesn't mean they understand it. Right. So, yeah, my husband explained kind of why we are where we are and, and that, you know, hopefully over time, we'll be able to, you know, kind of go back to some semblance of normalcy. I look back now and there's, there were, have been so many signs along the way that things were starting to get really serious. And I think just because... Everything, you know, coming from my stepkids' other house has always been so chaotic and like blown out of proportion and just weird. Mm-hmm. I think I just kind of ignored those things. And my husband did too, because we're so used to it. You know, you get desensitized to things that would normally like stun you. Right. And uh, back in uh, probably about six months ago, when my stepson was still 50 50 with us, he came over one week. And he was uh, Sunday to Sunday. So we came over on a Sunday and it was like the following Friday before he started speaking to me. 
And he would just, had just been horrible to me toward just me all week. And so finally by Friday, I was like, you know, white flag up in the air. Like what is going on? Like what gives kid, what is happening mm-hmm. right now? And, uh, we knew that a few people over at the other house had had COVID and he looked at me real seriously. And he says, you called my sisters and you told them you hope they die of COVID. <gasps> I was like, what? And it's like, part of me was really angry, but the other part of me was like, that is so absurd. I don't even know how to respond. So all week he had been punishing me for something that never occurred. And it's by a mom doing this or the uncles, uncles. I'm not sure. Yeah. I'm not sure who that one came from. Honestly, I'm not sure that he was sure anymore. Well, when he, your husband changed the visitation from 50, 50 to only seeing him outside of the home. Right. How did Bio Mom react to that? So she was uh, very much not understanding, but I think knowing kind of how she does things the way that I do now, I think it was it was about, you know, well, he needs to spend time with his dad too, as much as it was about, I don't want to have him all the time. Mm-hmm. And so my husband and Bio Mom, they used to sit down and have, I'm going to use the word conversations very loosely here, but conversations, but that would mostly consist of her kind of shaking her finger at my husband and giving him a list of things he was doing wrong. And so a couple of years ago, he had kind of put a stop to that. He was like, you know what? We, we need to parallel parent. Like this is not constructive. You do your thing at your house. I'll do my thing at my house. And uh, we knew that a lot of what's happened with my stepdaughter's was a direct result of bio mom telling them, well, you know, your dad uh, should be doing this for you and he's not, and that's all his fault and things like mm-hmm. that. And so my husband and bio mom actually sat down and had a conversation that this was actually a real conversation about two weeks ago. And my husband says it was different than any conversation they have ever had, including in their 15 years of being together. And uh, wow. Yeah, it was actually constructive. He explained um, where he was coming from and why we had arrived where we were. And um, I don't want to say the funny thing, but it's not funny. But um, the interesting thing is, you know, when you know, I mentioned earlier that stepson eight, um, when he would come over and he would be playing with my son, there were always like every time we would turn our backs, all of a sudden my son is crying and stepson mm-hmm. eight is looking incredibly guilty. And when I had first told my husband about that a long time ago, it was almost like he didn't believe me. He was like, well, my son could never, he could never do anything like that. Right. And uh, he finally had witnessed it for himself. And so that was part of his conversation with bio mom was this is what was happening at our house. And he told me that bio mom kind of got a funny look on her face and said that she has a toddler at her home as well with her new boyfriend. And I guess stepson eight has been the same things been happening with their toddler. Ah. So while I think it would have been very constructive for them to sit down and have this conversation a long time ago, I don't think it would have turned out the same way. I think that each of them had to come to some hard realizations about what had been going on before they were able to have that conversation. I agree. I definitely agree. And I'm sitting here thinking that if it wasn't bio mom telling stepson to act this way and do this stuff, right? Then this has caused her problems. Yeah, absolutely. And if it was her, then it bit her in the butt. Yeah. (laughs) I think she was part of it. 
but probably in the way of agreeing with things that were said by other people so that she couldn't be blamed. I wonder how much of it's coming from the stepdaughters. Quite a bit, to my understanding. Yeah, because we haven't talked about them yet. What happened with them to want to go live with mom 100% of the time? You know, so the oldest, I'm not sure. She and I were very, very close. And when, you know, the first couple of years, my husband and I were together before we spent some time apart. She and I were close and I knew that she had always had a difficult relationship with bio mom. And so there were times where she had said things to me like, I wish you were my mom. And, um, I mean, that would have been my husband and I have an age difference. So I was only 12 when she was born. So that would have been been kind of weird, but, um, (laughs) I would always respond to things like that with, you know, your mom loves you. You guys are going to get through this trying to like always be positive and encouraging. And, uh, when my husband, you know, chose to end our relationship for that period of time, that was one of the hardest parts for me was being away from my oldest stepdaughter because she and I were so close. And when my husband and I got back together and I kind of was integrated back into the kids' lives too, she was like a completely different person. And I remember asking my husband, you know, stepdaughter 17 just said this or did this, like that is very out of character for her. What, what happened? And, uh, he would say, and this was, about two and a half years ago. So it hasn't been that long, but he would just say, I I don't know. I think she's just kind of struggling at school. She started hanging out with uh, some girls at school that were known to be very problematic. And so I think that played a role, but it certainly wasn't the whole thing. But um, one thing I do know for sure is that she did not want me to ever have a baby. And um, that had been voiced to me many times. And so I want to say she only met my bio son maybe twice. And then she started, she would start, you know, right before they were all supposed to come back to uh, dad's for the week, she would text and say, Hey, I'm going to stay over at a friend's tonight. And then that one night turned into seven nights. And uh, finally she texted and told my husband that she wouldn't be back. And I think because of the way that I was raised and the relationship that I had and still have with my mom, it was really, really hard for me to understand people that function like that. Because I think if we could, would have all sat down together, we would have all agreed that she should live with her mom right now and just come visit. But Hey, you know, come over on Saturdays for dinner. Like, let's go to your games. Let's go be a part of our life. And, you know, we want to be a part of yours, but it was, they have a very uh, all or nothing mindset. And I think that comes from bio mom's family and our counselor explains it. Like they're like a, mafia mentality family. So you're either with us or you're against us. Yeah. And so I think that there has always been tremendous pressure on all of my stepkids, all four of them to not enjoy their time with us, to not enjoy their time with dad. If dad wasn't doing what bio mom wanted at the time. And so uh, it just kind of, so she, she, it kind of unfolded that way. And it was just really strange to me because it was so sudden. And uh, my other two stepdaughters continued to live with us for about a year longer, but it was kind of like one foot in, one foot out. And uh, Bio Mom is a uh, has like an office position at a gym that my two younger stepdaughters both train at, and one of them works at. And so 
I got to where even when they were with us 50, 50, they were spending seven days a week over at this gym and just, you know, like making up something really outrageously ridiculous, like a 16 hour uh, practice at the gym that they had to go (laughs) for all that time. And my husband never fact checked anything, but it wasn't because he didn't care or wasn't trying to be a good dad. I think he just already knew in his heart that they didn't want to be there and he was trying to protect himself from getting hurt. So he almost didn't want to know. Right. And so at this time that they were living with us still, none of my stepkids keep in mind had ever been told the word no, had discipline. And and by discipline, I don't even mean punishment. I just mean like, Hey, it's okay to do this, but not this. Right. Never been told anything like that. And uh, my husband has actually told me a story about the time that he was married to bio mom where I can't remember what one of the kids was doing, but one of my stepdaughters was like 10, 10-ish at the time and uh, was doing something. And he sat down and, you know, was getting on to her and told her she was going to, you know, this is going to be your consequence because you did this. Bio mom came in and grabbed stepdaughter from him and held her on her lap and said, you are, and this is in front of all the kids, said, you are ruining your relationship with your kids when you discipline them. So stop. Like you will not tell my children that they can't do things. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And so I think because my stepdaughters, by the time my husband, you know, got out of that relationship and got himself mentally healthy, I think my stepdaughters had, it had just already been ingrained. Yeah. And so even though he wasn't with bio mom anymore, when my three stepdaughters were over at our house, it was like bio mom might as well have been there. Yeah. So yeah. there was one day in particular where. Uh, something had happened with my stepdaughters. And I think my husband kind of just hit his breaking point. Like, okay, you guys, enough is enough. I can't, nobody can live like this. Mm -hmm. And so uh, he decided to tell them that they were going to be grounded from going to a practice at the gym, not forever, not all week, one practice. And uh, he even texted bio mom and said, I just want to let you know out as a courtesy, the girls got in trouble. This is why they will not be there tonight, but they'll see you tomorrow. And she texted him back, oh, you're doing the right thing. They really need some structure. And then not even 30 minutes later, here was bio mom at our door to pick them up. And uh, they left and never came back. And we have not heard from them since. So that to me goes back to you. But I kind of knew that after they left that day that they wouldn't be back because there was uh, quite a a bit of uh, Facebook posting about, you know, how awful our house was and how awful my husband is and how, you know, we're not real family. The people at the gym are the real family and very much normal things for a teenager to think, but that's why you have to be a parent, even to a teenager. Right. And that's horrible. uh, Yeah. It was really tough. But again, I mean, for me, it's like sometimes living in my own house with all of the way, uh, the ways that these things were handled was like being in a foreign country. Cause it's like, okay, go live with your mom. I, I understand that's what you feel is best for you right now, but come over for dinner. You know, my son was only, uh, had just turned one at the time that my two stepdaughters left. And the really hard part for me as a mom was that he adored them. Right. He was all smiles when they walked into the room, even though they rarely gave him the time of day. And, uh, same thing with stepson eight, he adored stepson eight. And so that's been really hard for me as a mom. And of course, you know, my son's only two, 
So it's not like he has the vocabulary to be able to have a conversation about this, but it's still hard, still hard when you can't explain something to him. But I know that he knows that something is going on and someone's missing. Right. Yeah. And he doesn't know why. Right. I hate to say this this way, but it's almost like they died to him. So now he's having to grieve that. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, that's been something that my husband and I have had to kind of figure out a game plan for. You know, when he feels like stepson eight, you know, if and when he feels like stepson's eight is ready to come over again and kind of be reintroduced to our household and our family, we're going to have to make sure like he's going to, and the, the counselor told him that he's going to have to see a behavioral pattern change over time. Not one weekend, not two weekends, but over time consistently because, you know, now we've got one more kid at home and another one on the way that didn't do anything to deserve being in this really weird, crazy psychodynamic. Right. So when my mom came to pick the kids up after Mm -hmm. your husband had put them on restriction from that one practice. Yeah. She texted him and said, oh, you did the right thing. And then she shows up at the door. Did he not say what in the crap? (laughs) He thought it. I think experience has taught him that it's kind of a waste of his breath to say things. Yeah. So, um, you know, he, he used to try to say things to her and it was, everything was always someone else's fault. And so I think he kind of just gave up. I'm sure that if he would have said, well, you just texted me that I did the right thing, that they need discipline or whatever then she would have said, oh, that wasn't me. <laughs> right, right. Or something. So he actually, when they had their sit down a couple of weeks ago, he brought that up to her. And because she was, you know, telling him that these girls are out of control and they're so disrespectful and all of the, these things are going on in her home now because they're there full time. And my husband's response was, well, you're the one that came and picked them up. Uh-huh. You're the one that did that. Like, what do you think that taught them? And, uh, She said that uh, she says now that she just assumed that after she got his text, he had gone ahead and given them permission to go, which I I don't think she actually believes that. I think it was just kind of an easy button to uh, not have to be responsible for it. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Bitter in the butt, like we said. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. So now she's complaining about how the kids behave, but she created that. Yep. Well, they're like, um, you know, parents joke all the time about how your kid is like a mini version of you. And I mean, my son's only two and there are things that he, like when the dogs start barking, he'll get onto the dogs. And I'm like, well, I, he's repeating what I say. Parents joke about that. But when your kid starts having behavioral problems, you know, it's like, it stops being a joke. Um, It becomes Mm -hmm. something very serious. And unfortunately, you know, my stepdaughters have not been like equipped with the skills and knowledge that they need to like function in the real world, because the real world definitely does not function like bio mom's house. And so, you know, I'm afraid that's going to be very hard for them when they go to college and have jobs and are in their own relationships. And I hope that life experience teaches them. This is not the way to be a human, you know, before they hurt other people and, bring other people into it. Cause I definitely, my husband and I both have a fear that, you know, the three stepdaughters are going to end up with people and treat them like he was treated. Right. And that they're going to carry that forward. Which is to be expected. Yeah. Unfortunately, that's what happens a lot of the time. It just breaks my heart for those kids because 
they don't know any better. Right. And more than likely, they're going to have somebody that truly loves them that they are going to treat like crap. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's very, very unfortunate. I've had to learn and then, of course, like relearn and remind myself that I can't fix what I didn't break. That's right. And a lot of their treatment of me is not even about me. I just happen to be the person that married their dad. And exactly. so I'm the easy target because it's been super hurtful, you know, the way that they've acted even toward me. Cause I kind of thought like when my two stepdaughters um, got picked up by their mom that day and left, I thought, okay, they're mad at dad, but they'll probably reach out to me. Maybe I can, you know, help to kind of diffuse things and you know, we can make something work here and they can learn from this, but that mm-hmm. never happened. And then I kind of learned through stepson eight and the things that he was repeating when he came over that they blame the entirety of the situation on me. <laughs> when we were talking earlier about how stepdaughter changed after y'all, you and your husband had your break. Right. I wonder if when you left, it's almost like she lost a mom and you already yeah. said she didn't want you to have a kid and you come back and you're having a kid. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like a double whammy for her. Yeah. You know, I kind of think that too. Um, and that's probably part of it. According to my husband, you know, during that time, she started going to counseling with her mom because they had always had a really tough relationship. And she and her mom were like BFFs whenever uh, I started seeing her again. So I think that that mm-hmm. probably was had a big uh, part to do with it. I'm sure she probably in counseling told her mom some of the things that she had told me about their relationship. And I'm sure bio mom did not appreciate that. Yeah. So, and unfortunately there are lots of, you know, step family situations where the kids are taught to believe that kindness towards stepmom is a betrayal of bio mom. And I think that absolutely happened with my stepkids. You are so right. And even if they're not told that those loyalty binds make them feel that way. If they know that, by a mom doesn't like stepmom. It's, oh, I yeah. can't be nice to her. My mom doesn't like her. Uh-huh. Absolutely. Or I can't like her because that will hurt my mom because she doesn't. Yeah. So I really do try to make it my mission to not let my son's stepmom feel that way. You know, just because he's two and he doesn't understand. And sometimes transitions are really hard for a kid of any age. And my son being so young, he just doesn't understand what's going on. And so there have been, uh, his stepmom picks him up once a week instead of bio dad. And so there have been a few times where, you know, he's crying as he gets out of the car. And I can recall my stepkids doing similar things and bio mom just hugging them while my husband and I stood there awkwardly waiting for them to get out of the car for like 20, 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. Bio mom hugging and comforting and I'm going to miss you so much. And that just makes it super hard. And yes. um Something that I have always told my son is, you know, we have lots of fun when we're together and tonight you're going to have fun and mommy's going to have fun and then we'll have fun together again. And I've told my stepson that many times as well, of course, not calling Mm -hmm. myself mommy, but, uh, you know, there have been times when my bio son is crying as he gets out of the car and doesn't want to go to his stepmom. And I know that position. And I know no matter how much, you know, you put a smile on your face, I know how that feels in your heart when You know, you've taken time out of your day to go show up for someone that you love and they don't want to go with you. Mm -hmm. It's a really crappy feeling. So I always tell my son, oh, you're going to have so much fun. 
and get excited for him and stuff like that. And you know, she, he brings her flowers on Mother's Day and things like that and and cards and we do gifts on holidays because I just feel like all of that's really important. I know what it's like to be in the stepmom position. I know that it can at times be a very thankless job. And uh, I just really don't ever want to see her being made to feel the way that I've been made to feel. And I admire you for that. Thank you. No matter how much as a stepmom, we tell ourselves This isn't about you. It's not about you. It's not about you personally. It's what you represent, but it still hurts. It doesn't take the hurt away. Oh, it is so hard not to take it to heart. Mm -hmm. What I found helped me was to honestly tell myself, these kids are hurting. You are an easy target. It's not about you. It's about what they're going through. Yeah, and that's absolutely right. So your husband hasn't talked to the daughters at all? No. Nope. I a while, a while back, he had sent them some texts and messages. Um, my younger two stepdaughters had never responded to anything. And then the oldest started writing nasty letters. And so one of the other stepkids had brought over um, a letter she had written Gosh, this was right after she left. So my bio son was very, very little. And uh, basically the whole, you know, what the letter said to my husband. And now my son's bio dad is, you know, a very active part of his life. And I'm very grateful for that. But at the time he wasn't. And at the mm-hmm. time, I really, truly believed that my husband was would be the only dad he ever had. Right. And so this letter that she sent over you know, said, you have three daughters and one son. You think you have two sons and you act like you have two sons. You know, you have one son and you need to focus on the kid that's actually yours. And so having poured into my stepkids what I have over the years and invested so much of my time, energy, and love and caring into them, that was really hurtful to me, especially given the relationship that stepdaughter 18 and I had had, you know, for years. Yeah, because it's like they're saying, it's okay that Britt did all this stuff for us, but Uh you don't need to do nothing for her kid. Exactly. Do you wonder, I mean, obviously they know that their dad is not the father of your son. Right. Yeah, that's never been a secret. Do you think there's resentment with that? Um, Maybe. Um, Something that's really strange to me that I haven't even mentioned to you is uh, bio moms. I don't know if they're engaged or married now, but I'll just say her partner. Bio mom's partner and her had an affair while she was still married to my husband Ah. and they carried a lot of it on in front of the kids. And now, and I met my husband about one year after his divorce was finalized. Mm -hmm. But if you ask my stepkids, I was the homewrecker and they are incredibly close to their stepdad. And uh, it's me that came along and ruined everything, which is really weird. But I think it speaks to, kind of the level of coaching that happens over there because they really believe that. Yeah. And it was probably a few months before my stepdaughters left with their mom that day and never came back and wouldn't speak to my husband anymore. A few months before that, he'd ha- he was having them like plug in their phones at night and not be on them at night because they were sleeping through classes and failing classes and stuff during the day. Mm-hmm. Cause they were up on their phones all night. And, uh, and I mean, I would have been when I was a teenager too, if I could have been. Yeah. So. Yeah. Me too. Oh mm-hmm. uh, yeah. I would be now sometimes if I 
you know, be awake the next day. But yeah. uh, he had seen in their phones that they had him, they had both of them had stepdad saved as daddy and my husband saved as bio dad in their phones. And so that was incredibly hurtful to him. But again, because this family, the way they've always done things is not to communicate with each other. He didn't say anything about it. Right. Um, And I think that goes back to, like I mentioned earlier, it's not that he didn't care or that that didn't hurt his feelings. He just didn't want to know anymore because he knew it would only hurt. Right. So that was kind of his way of putting up a wall and, okay, what I don't know can hurt me. Although that's not the case. You know, you were not the first person or the 10th person that I know <laughs> that the kids are convinced that the stepmom was the homewrecker. Oh, yeah. Even when the dates don't line up. Right. Or they know that Bob was in the picture with mom two years before dad and Sue got together. Mm-hmm. I don't understand what right. it is, but it's almost like bio mom can sleep with 500 guys, have them all around the kid. And they treat these guys, you know, like they're awesome. But then mm-hmm. dad marries stepmom, the only person that he's possibly had around the kids, and right. they treat her like crap. And like she's the one that was the homewrecker. Right. That is very common. It is. And yeah, unfortunately, you know, it makes me question why the stepmom represents so much more than a stepdad. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great point. I think a big part of the problem is because of the way that historically stepmoms have been portrayed. And I think there's a clear definition on a mom-child relationship. There's a clear definition on an aunt and nephew relationship or aunt and niece. Mm -hmm. There's a clear definition of like a cousin relationship or teacher-student relationship. But for some reason, even though there are so many blended families out there, there is no clear definition of a step-parent, step-child relationship. And so people try to fit it inside all of these boxes that it was never meant to fit in. It's its own relationship. And there's no reason that it can't be healthy and beautiful in its own way and wonderful. And, you know, the more people in a child's life to be there for them and do things for them, the better, right? You would think. Right. You know, when my stepdaughters were still living with us, stepdaughter 17 was not quite 16 yet. And she was working on getting her permit. And, uh, you know, I'd heard her complain quite a bit that, um, you know, she didn't have enough driving experience. And my son was probably, I don't know, I would say no more than six months old whenever she, um, started, you know, working toward her permit hours and stuff like that. And I was the one who said, you know what, I think instead of trying to crank out, you know, 10 hours on a weekend day, that's really overwhelming when you're a new driver. Why don't we just do a little bit every night? So every single night when my husband got home, you know, after dinner, he would take care of the baby and stepdaughter 17. And I would go out for, you know, 20, 30 minutes and give her some driving experience. Mm -hmm. And so there were so many things like that, that while I love my husband and he's a wonderful dad, I can honestly tell you that I made 40 times the effort that he made with them. Right. We went to Target. We went to Starbucks. We went uh, to In-N-Out. We went and did all of these things together. And it was like they got mad at their dad over that one, you know, taking a gym practice away. And it was like all of those things never happened. 
And it's like history has been rewritten and that's been really incredibly hard and painful for me. Yeah. You know, like all, none of that ever uh, mattered. So, and maybe someday when they're older and they've had life experience, they'll kind of start to put some of these things in perspective. Maybe not. I don't know. I think the way bio mom's family operates is, you know, like our counselor said, very much like mafia style, like you're either in or out. Yeah. You can't have multiple relationships with multiple families. And something that I see is um, bio mom has several siblings, those siblings and their spouses and their kids, they're all part of, you know, what they're doing together five, six, seven days a week. Yeah. So I uh, rarely ever heard about my stepkids spending time at anybody else's house. Yeah. So only bio mom's family. You know, I'm just perplexed. You and me both. I really do hope that when your stepdaughters get older, that they will realize things that they could have done differently and they appreciate what you did do for them. Yeah, thank you. I hope so too. And I hope that the relationship with stepson and dad improve through all this and that y'all were able to get back to where y'all were too. Yeah. Yeah. Now my husband and I have often said, and I think that this is probably a common thing in marriages within a blended family, but it's like the little day-to-day annoyances that, you know, like a married couple would argue about. We've never argued about because we don't have time. It's not that those things aren't there. We have never had the time or energy to just focus on our marriage and, uh, you know, building a marriage and relationship with each other. We have always had so much time and energy eaten up by all of the drama coming from the other house and the things that the stepkids are coming back with and accusations and, uh, things like that. It's like, we've haven't even had the time to focus on our own relationship. And so it's not that those annoyances and things, you know, like in any marriage that need to be resolved or worked out, it's not that they aren't there. They have been swept under the rug for so long that it's created other issues in our marriage that we've had to work through because a person only has so much energy to focus on uh, really emotionally heavy things like this for so long. Right. And then after that, it's like, okay, I can't do any more today. Mm-hmm. But when my stepkids were 50, 50, you know, it was like, it felt, especially up kind of toward the end, it felt emotionally heavy way more than 50% of the time because we were either, you know, trying to kind of, and I see a lot of stepmoms say similar things to this, but after they left, we were trying to, you know, put things back together and kind of regroup from how tough the weekend weekend had been. And then before they came, it was like, I always felt like my husband and I were on two different planets because he was just like, you know, I said he would like, not like that. I described it like this, but he was like, be skipping around like a giddy school girl, all excited that they're coming back. And then Mm -hmm. I would be over here just dreading it because I already knew what the week would bring. But I think that because, you know, I wasn't able to, you know, implement the nacho method earlier on than I did. I think he just had a very different experience with them than I did because he would be gone and working during the day. So by the time he got home, the hard stuff was done. Right. And all the driving was done and the cleaning up after them, their lunches, their dinner, their snacks, all of that was done. They were already at sports practice. Dinner was cooked. Homework was done. 
So it was just all that was left to do was to sit and eat dinner and hang out for a little bit before everyone went to bed. Yeah. And my experience was very different than that. Yeah. You were doing all the heavy work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They were wore out by the time. <laughs> <you got home. laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think my stepdaughters absolutely caught on to the fact that I felt like I couldn't say anything to them because I can recall, you know, up kind of toward the end of their time living with us. I can recall watching them like go into the kitchen, open a snack, look me dead in the eye and throw a piece of trash onto the floor and walk away because they knew that I felt like I couldn't say anything to them. Like, you know, if I would say, Hey, stepdaughter 16, can you please pick up your trash and put it in the trash can where it goes? Just like that, you know, please. Thank Mm -hmm. you. Whereas if it were my bio kid, I'd be like, what are you doing? Pick that up. Yeah. You know, you, you like, you have that level of comfort, you know, your bio kid's going to love you. Even if you have to tell them to do something they don't want to do. Well, and a lot of people listening will say, why couldn't you tell your stepdaughter to pick that that trash? Well, because it didn't matter how I said it. She would tell her dad later, Britt yelled at me today. She yelled at me about trash today. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, my husband, it's not that he believed stepdaughter and didn't believe me. It was that he was afraid to tell stepdaughter that he knew that she lied about everything. Right. Because he knew. Because they're put in the middle. Uh Uh-huh. Exactly. Yeah. Because he knew that if I got upset with him, at the end of the day, we would work it out and we would still be together. But he didn't have that relationship security with my stepkids. How is your husband handling his kids not coming? You know, I, I know he's still seeing his son, yeah. but not hearing from the daughters, them not responding. Is he talking to a therapist about that? Because Yeah, he is. He is. Good. Um, he's handling it very different than I expected, especially given his history. You know, the reason that we we were apart in the past is because, you know, bio mom came to him and said, you're a terrible dad when you have a girlfriend. You need to focus on your kids. Your kids are all resenting you and they're not going to want to be around you if you have a girlfriend. And at the time, I was like a non-person in our relationship. Right. I had no original thoughts or opinions and we never blended. It was me jumping into their life. They knew mm-hmm. nothing about me. All of the things that I had done and enjoyed before we were together, I didn't do anymore because there was no time. Mm -hmm. And um, my husband's kids are all like multi-sport kids. So the majority of my time was spent driving them around, Mm -hmm. even when we were first dating. And so I think, you know, I expected my husband to have a lot more difficult time with it than he has. I think it's all, it's, it's almost been like a weight lifted. And I think he's reached the understanding that it's not necessarily forever, but they have some growing up to do that. Unfortunately, with the influence at BioMom's house and the fact that they are there at least 50% of the time, it's really impossible to undo that influence as much as we tried. And I think that my husband didn't even realize what a healthy parent-child relationship was supposed to be until my son came along. Mm -hmm. And I'll tell you that I've struggled with at times how strict my husband is with my son because (laughs) now he's (laughs) let my stepkids just get away with murder. And, Uh uh, but I understand, you know, again, it goes back to that logically versus like what your heart tells you type thing. Mm -hmm. And uh, so logically I understand that just like he has, 
that relationship security with me where he knows even if I'm upset with him, I'm not going to go file for divorce. Like we're going to work through it. Right. He has that same relationship, relationship security with my son. He knows that if he has to tell him no about something or go put him in a timeout, my son's going to come out and wrap his arms around him and everything's going to be okay. And he has never known that with his own kids. Yeah. Well, and he doesn't have to worry about your son going, well, I'll go live with mom. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. To be honest with you, you know, out of all of my bio sons, I would say his grownups, because I think it's really hard for kids in blended families. Like when people refer to, you know, your parents, your mom and dad, those mom and dad aren't together. So Mm -hmm. I always say my bio son's grownups, because that includes all four of us parents in his life out of all of us and everyone he knows. My husband is his favorite human on the entire planet. If we go, my husband and I go together to pick my son up from a visit, my son every single time will run right past me and right into my husband's arms. Ah, He's his favorite person. (laughs) I love that though. Yeah. I know it breaks your heart, but I love it. (laughs) Yeah. And like I mentioned earlier, we own a construction business, so there is nothing that my son enjoys more than riding in uh, the work van. Yeah. So that's like really a treat to him. But yeah, you know, it just, I see as my son gets older and starts to learn things enough to get in trouble for things and have to be corrected. I see my husband's eyes opening more and more to a parent child relationship does not have to be like those were. Right. If you had to choose whether he parented your son like he did his kids or he parented your son like he is now, you would choose that he parent your son like he is now. 100%, although I do have to remind myself sometimes. I know. You know, but when my stepson eight was coming over every other weekend, it did get a little muddy sometimes. And that's, you know, I see a lot of stepmoms posting in their Facebook group about, okay, so nacho means, you know, I don't, I don't step in and discipline his kids, but it does get really muddy when you have a whole group of kids together. Because then your bio kids are upset with you when, you know, there's one rule, but only one, you know, or two people are doing something that they're not supposed to be doing, but only one person gets called out for it. Mm-hmm. And it did get muddy like that when my stepson was here. The last time he was here, the two kids were down and my son, my stepson, eight were down in the playroom playing together and they were playing with my bio son's toys. Okay. No big deal. Right. And mm-hmm. uh, then my stepson brought out something of his And my bio son wanted to play with it with him. And uh, my husband and stepson both got on to him and said, no, that's not yours. You can't play with what's not yours. And at that point, after that happened, I did pull my husband aside and I was like, okay, wait a second, time out. I'm trying not to say anything, Mm -hmm. but you can't, there's, there are two kids in the house. Uh, You can't teach one, one thing and one, the other thing right in front of each other. Yeah. You can't say you can't play with your older brother's toys, but he can play yeah, with yours. Exactly. Yeah, either we all play with our own things or we all play together or. Exactly. You know, sim- simple concept, but not that simple in reality. Well, and I know a lot of times it's hard because people will say, well, I expect my kids to do chores and he doesn't. So my kids are complaining. Well, do you want to lower your parenting standards? <laughs> no. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So. Don't let it be an issue. And when they say it's not fair, say, I understand it's not fair, but I'm your parent and I tell you what to do. And he's their parent and he tells them what to do. Right. 
And it's no different than if little Susie next door never has to do chores, but you do. Right. Just because right. we live in the same house doesn't mean that he parents his kids the same way I parent you. Right. Yeah, you know, absolutely. I mean, it does it does get a little tricky in our situation just because, you know, my husband's been with my bio son since before he was born. He was the one with me at his birth. Mm-hmm. So it is tricky because he certainly doesn't see my son as my son and not his. Right. Yeah. I would honestly, I would consider him your, our son. Yeah. He's, he definitely uh, functions that way in the house. Because I don't think that he's going to treat your next son any differently than he does your bio son now. I think it's going to be the same. Right. Absolutely. I think a big difference is though, you know, I was telling you earlier about bio mom kind of cutting him off from disciplining right in front of the kids. So the kids, Mm -hmm. my stepkids have always, you know, learned and had it ingrained that dad is stupid and can't make any good decisions. And so we're going to defer to mom on everything. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, there are definitely times when, I, you know, he's getting on to my two-year-old for something. My husband is. And I think to myself, you know, it's not really that big of a deal, but I'm still going to back him up on it. Mm-hmm. So I don't, you know, my son needs to always see that we're, you know, we're united where you can't do the thing of playing one parent against the other, not with us. Right. And there is a huge difference in the age of the child. I mean, like you said, he was right. there when your son was born. It's oh, yeah. not like he was three and came into his life. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I met my stepson who's eight now right after he turned four, but he really doesn't remember a time without me in it. So I don't know. I think because I met him so young, it's especially hard for me that things have, have unfolded the way that they have and that we've ended up where we have. So I know my stepkids certainly blame me for the, who my husband is as a dad now versus who he was as a dad when we first met, you know, because when we first met, there were like no rules, no boundaries. Um, You see a lot of stepmoms talk about a stepdaughter with mini wife syndrome. And I didn't even know what that was until a couple of years ago. And I'm like my oldest stepdaughter, every box I could check. And not in the way of like, well, I expect, you know, her not to sit by her dad. And my husband was irritated with me about something. That's who he would go to and tell instead of talking to me. So it was like, she always had the inside track on our relationship. She was always a part of financial decisions more than I was or before I was and things like that. And so as my husband started going and seeing this counselor and really kind of uh, looking back on his past, figuring things out and really started getting emotionally and mentally healthy and understanding what a father was supposed to be, what that role was supposed to look like and kind of making it what he wanted it to be. My stepkids, they never saw all of the hard work that my husband put in. They saw, well, now that Brit's in his life, he's doing things differently. So it must be her fault. Right. Exactly. It's like we said, if the kids could run around like hoodlums before <laughs> and then all of a sudden they can't, what changed? Right. Britt came into the picture. It's yeah. Britt's fault. Yep. Oh, or yeah. I used to could sleep with my dad till Britt came into the picture. Yeah. Yeah. That was, yeah. yeah. That was a thing too, you know, that they did. They would all sleep in the bed or I would, you know, when we first moved in together, like I would wake up on Saturday morning and all of my 
stepdaughters were in there. And um, not that there was ever anything inappropriate or questionable happening. It's just weird at a certain age, I think. And in today's day and age, it becomes something that if they were to go to school and repeat, you know, that they slept in their dad's bed last night, like that could potentially make a thing out of nothing. So you have to be very careful with things like that. And there was one time right before my stepdaughters went to live with their mom full time where my husband, you know, he had never taken their phones away as a consequence. Something had happened and he was like, you know what, I... I want you to sit down and have some quiet time. And th- I mean, my husband's like so kind and how he like disciplines them. It was never like, you're in trouble. Give me your phone. I want you to take some time, reflect on things and then let's, and I'll do the same. And then let's come back together and talk. So let me have your phone for a little bit. And it was like something simple like that. My stepdaughter, 17 turned it into this like huge battle. And I was like, I could hear from the next room. If their bedroom was next to ours. I could hear from the next room what was happening. And I heard her say to my husband, I am a young lady. You can't touch me. And I like immediately walked in there and I was like, you know what? I'm going to stand in the doorway because Mm -hmm. that sounds like, you know, like so many other things, so many other times they're trying to set us up for something. Right. You're right. I'm glad that you had the wherewithal to go stand in the door. Yeah. I'm not going to say anything. I'm just going to stand in the doorway and be another set Mm -hmm. of eyes here. Yep. Very smart. Well, Britt, I could talk to you all day. (laughs) Right back at you. It has been great having you as a guest on our podcast. And we know that you've been through a lot and we appreciate you sharing your story with us because I know that it's going to help other people. You know, and that's my hope, Lori, that when I first became a stepmom, I didn't even know that there were resources out there or Facebook groups or places where you could ask, is this happening to other people too? Mm -hmm. And so my hope is that even though we've had a very tumultuous relationship with everyone involved and it's been really, really hard. My hope is that, you know, that our story helps some other stepmom in some way know that it's not just you. This happens to other people too, and you're going to be okay. Yes, you're going to be okay. Definitely. And keep in touch with us and let us know how things are going. I would love to have you back, let's say, in two years. <laughs> see where we're at. Yeah, to see where you're at. You already have had the baby. We'll get to see if maybe he's the same with the baby as he is with your bio son, too, which I think he will be. I really I do so believe too. he will be. Yeah, I think so, too. Yeah, but keep us updated in between then, and I'll let our listeners know how you're doing. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you again. (laughs) Thanks. Bye-bye. Did y'all catch the part where she said that her husband thought Nacho was an insult? (laughs) Be careful how you explain this to your significant other if you decide to Nacho. And in some cases, you don't need to explain it. No, I'm not telling you to lie or hide things. I'm telling you that you know your significant other better than we do. And sometimes you just need to make adjustments and not say, I'm not showing your kids. Yeah, I mean, if you don't explain what it's all about, then the only thing a person is can do is just infer what that means. I mean, you cer- if, certainly if you're saying it in the heat of the moment, then it's it's certainly going to come out as being a negative thing. How would you explain it, David? If Well, first of all, I don't think trying to explain it when 
tempers are flaring, this is a good idea. You know, you don't wait until there's a issue in the go. I'm not showing your kids. And by the way, that means rah, 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 because at that point, nobody's really listening. And it, it's still, it, it's coming from a place of, um, of resentment and all this other stuff. But I would sit down and explain it in a way that basically says, look, I, I want the best relationship I can have with you, with the kids and whatever that happens to look like. However, in order for me to do that, there are things that I need to do to work on myself first, and then it will improve the dynamics within the relationships, um, in, within the blend. And part of that is me not putting myself um, in situations where it's going to cause problems. And um, I don't even think you need to name the situations um, because then it's going to turn into a, your kid did this kind of discussion if you're not mm-hmm. careful. Uh, but you you want to make it you want to make it about what the end result is going to look like, not necessarily how you get there. And you also want it um you also want to focus on what is the benefit for everybody, not what what's the benefit for you. Cuz if you're only talking about I need to lower my stress and I need to focus on me and I need to that's all the person's going to hear is you're going me 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 me. There's no benefit for anybody else. Even if there is one, that's not what they're hearing. Mm-hmm. And so you have to focus on the benefit overall, and you have to focus on um, what is the end going to look like. Is you know you you begin with the end in mind. Is right. if I want to if I want to quote Stephen Covey, <laughs> but um, that's what you want to focus on. What is it going to look like when you do this? Sounds good. All right. I'd just say, look at him. <laughs> I'm tired of toting your ungrateful youngins everywhere and cooking for them, and all they say is that looks like dog food. So you're gonna have to take over. Look how simple that was. That is not how you would do it. Because <laughs> nope. that's not how you did it. <laughs> that's an example of how not to tell someone you're going to nacho. Yeah, because all they hear is how you're not going to be doing anything anymore. What they hear is you hate my kids. Yeah, that too. Yep. All right, folks. David, do your spiel. All right. That's our show for today. Join us next week when we talk about more crazy stuff, but we're not going to talk about shutting down the podcast. <laughs> no, we're not. That wasn't even funny. You probably shouldn't have used that as an April Fool's joke. <laughs> I think it's funny. But uh, anyway, if you have any ideas about what we can do to Jackson, let us know. No. Or I might Flatten the tires on his truck. No, you're not. Yeah, that sounds good. How is hey, that an April I, Fool's joke? What if I loosen up the lug nuts on his on his wheel? David. <laughs> <laughs> All right, folks. We'll talk to you next week. If I no, survive. no, we're not done. I <laughs> need done. people to give suggestions on what you can do to your kids that aren't here for April Fools. Well, that's just it. They're not here. It's a little bit harder. You can do anything over the phone. Oh my gosh, who uses phones? <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> All right, folks, we'll see you next week. And remember, life is good. When you nacho. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Nacho Kids podcast. Find us online at nachokids.com. Until next time, remember, life is good when you nacho.